Hello, this is Deborah Cohen, and I am celebrating our new holiday in America, Juneteenth. Even though some of our citizens here in the United States have been celebrating this for years, and some may think that only a certain sect should celebrate. I'd like to enlighten us a little bit and tell us why it is and has become a nation holiday for all of us to celebrate. So let us begin today's discussion and I will be sharing a story and a song after this message. Again, you're listening to Deborah Cohen, and I am here in beautiful Georgia, USA. And I would like to begin by reading a proclamation from our President Biden, telling you a little bit about this holiday in case you're not familiar with it, which many Americans still are not. This is from the WhiteHouse.gov. Juneteenth is a day to reflect on both bondage and freedom a day of both pain and purpose. It is in equal measure a remembrance of both the long, hard night of slavery and subjugation, as well as a celebration of the promise of a brighter morning to come. On Juneteenth, we remember our extraordinary capacity to heal, to hope, to emerge from our worst moments as a stronger, freer, and more just nation. It is also a day to celebrate the power and resilience of black Americans who have endured generations of oppression in the ongoing journey toward equal justice, equal dignity, equal rights, and equal opportunity in America. Last year, I, Joe Biden, was proud to sign bipartisan legislation establishing Juneteenth as our newest federal holiday so that all Americans can feel the power of this day, learn from our history, celebrate our progress, and recognize and engage in the work that continues. Great nations do not ignore their most painful moments. They face them. We grow stronger as a country when we honestly confront our past injustices, including the profound suffering and injustice wrought by slavery and generations of segregation and discrimination against black Americans. To heal, we must remember. We must never rest until the promise of our nation is made real for all Americans. The emancipation of enslaved black Americans was not the end of our nation's work to deliver on the promise of equality. It was only the beginning. On Juneteenth, 
we recommit to our shared work to ensure racial justice, equity, and equality in America and all over the world where we can. We commemorate the centuries of struggle and progress led by abolitionists, educators, civil rights advocates, lawyers, activists, trade unionists, religious leaders, public officials, and everyday Americans who have brought our nation closer to fulfilling its promise. As my good friend, the late Congressman Elijah Cummings said, quote, our children are the living messengers we send to a future we will never see, end quote. Together as a nation, let us continue our work together to build a country we are all proud to pass along to our children, one where the foundational promises and ideals of America ring true for every child and every family. Now, therefore, I, Joseph R. Biden, Jr., President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim June 19th, 2022, as Juneteenth Day of Observance. I call upon the people of the United States to acknowledge and condemn the history of slavery in our nation and recognize how the impact of America's original sin remains. I call on every American to celebrate the emancipation of all black Americans and commit together to eradicate systemic racism and inequity that can never be tolerated and must always be fought against. In witness whereof I have hereunto set my hand this 17th day of June in the year of our Lord 2022 and of the independence of the United States of America, the 246th Joseph R. Biden, Jr., All right. So are we finished with racism? No, not in this country. We still get problems. People that need to be educated and told about this holiday. Yes, it is Father's Day. We're not belittling Father's Day. But it is also Juneteenth. Another reason to come together and in one big American family, despite our differences. So won't you acknowledge this day and share that message with somebody today and tell them why we celebrate Juneteenth in America. Again, I am Deborah Cohen, and I appreciate you listening either live or in the archives. I'd like to begin by sharing a video of one of my rabbis who gave a message on this very holiday. So let's give Rabbi Lawrence Rosenthal in Atlanta, Georgia, a listen. Tomorrow we observe Juneteenth. Now, if you were like me, just until a couple years ago, I never heard of Juneteenth. It was not a day that was in my realm of possibilities as a holiday. It definitely wasn't a national holiday like it is now. 
but I didn't know anything about it. Apparently, the black community, segments of the black community here in America, have been celebrating Juneteenth for generations. Juneteenth is the 19th of June, 1865, where the last group of slaves in Galveston, Texas, were told of their freedom. We're told about the Emancipation Proclamation that was signed two and a half years earlier, and that they were finally, this country was finally completely free of slavery. Now, of course, this particular day um, has some challenges in, in celebration. First of all, it's new. A new holiday for many of us um, presents some questions. What are we celebrating it for? How do we celebrate it? How do we observe the day? For some, Juneteenth, though, brings something, I think, very special. Something that's not only important for a segment of the American people to celebrate, to observe, but for all Americans to celebrate and observe. Isn't that so the story of America as well? You cannot tell me that you have not experienced or read or heard about people with hardened hearts in this country. And so there's really something important about Juneteenth, not just for the black community in America, but for all communities in America. It's an important date for us to remember about the Civil War. It's an important date for us to recall, to do our own introspection, to uplift the moment in which our country said enough and moved on to a new reality, one that I trust all of us appreciate more than the past reality, that we celebrate that we are truly a country of freedom for all. I know that you all appreciate that. And Juneteenth is that moment for our country. And so it must be celebrated. The question, though, comes back to the earlier one I asked. How do you celebrate it? How do you celebrate this new holiday? Well, my friends, I don't have an answer for you. I don't know what it's going to look like for all of us. But I'll make a recommendation to you. Listen. Watch. Read about it. See what starts to develop. Push against the mattress and car discount sales that might come up on Juneteenth, extravaganza sale at the, at the mall. Push against that. Don't participate. We have important days in our calendar that have fallen victim to that. Don't let that happen. We need to desperately fight against that because these days are important, not just for the people that they gave freedom to, but to all of us because we were all freed. And we all continue to be freed by, an e by, an e by being able to be one people, one country, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Shabbat shalom. Indeed, thank you, Rabbi Rosenthal, for that timely message. I thank you for inspiring us to seek a way to honor Juneteenth as a message of unity for this country in the United States and globally. Now, I know that 
the statement is made that there has been an end to slavery with this proclamation. But honestly, we still have much work to do in this country, for we know that uh, sex trafficking, human sex trafficking in this country is still a huge problem. And that is also an abomination, uh, a way of demeaning equality in a human being by using them as a sex toy or whatever way of abuse it is. So I'll just say there's still work to be done. And now what usually happens is when there's a change made, especially when it comes to politics, there are people that grumble. Yes. Maybe you're a grumbler, but I'd like to share this story with you and maybe give you a a different way of looking at things, especially for the Jewish nation in America, as well as Israel and worldwide. Kvetching, as it's called in Hebrew, has become a characteristic of some Jews, and they say in boasting that they complain as if it's a good thing. But if you read the Bible, what does God say about complaining? Maybe you don't know. I'm Maybe you don't know if it's okay or not to complain. Certainly, if there is an injustice in your life, you have a right to voice your opinion, but not just to complain, but complain to the right people that can make a change, not just to complain for the sake of complaining and to brag about it because you want to be known as a complainer. Heaven forbid. That's not what God's children do. So let me read this article to you from JTSA Education. And I know that there is also a problem nationwide and worldwide with anti-Semitism, which is another form of racism. It's in that same umbrella of hate. So let us think about this as we continue to work on stomping out baseless hatred. Some years ago, during a visit to Japan, I met with a sociology professor at Tokyo University. She mentioned that she had just returned from her first trip to Israel, and I asked her what her impressions were, and the professor paused for a moment and then said, the Israelis, they argue a great deal. Being argumentative is one of the many stereotypes applied to Jews. Like other stereotypes, it fails to be instructive because it is not distinctive. Jews are not the only ones who argue. And some of you might argue about Juneteenth being a holiday. I know that every state in the United States is not on board with this holiday Juneteenth. Here in Georgia, we are on board, but there are many states in the United States that are not embracing it as a state holiday, which means there's probably some complaining going on. 
The members of the Japanese diet do not treat each other more respectfully than the members of the Israeli Knesset treat, treat each other. Social and business interactions in Japan are less vociferous than in Israel, not because there are no arguments, but because disagreement is often expressed by other means. So this hopefully we'll learn a different way to voice our different opinions. Unlike other stereotypes applied to Jews, however, being argumentative is something many Jews embrace and even glory in. It is seen as a manifestation of alertness and cleverness. And I'll ask you again, what does God see it as? This mistaken view has caused us as a people much trouble over the years and today. The propensity to quarrel has deep roots in Jewish historical memory. Those memories go back to biblical times. In the Parsha, Korah records or records the rebellion of the character for whom the Parsha is named. Korah quarrels with Moses and Aaron about the legitimacy of their authority over the Israelite nation. Like some of you might be doing griping over certain races, in the same United States? Moses, rather than retorting on a personal basis, refers the matter to God, who settles the argument by destroying the challengers. This Parsha contains one of several episodes repeated throughout the book of Numbers in which the Israelites complain to Moses that they do not have enough to eat or drink. In this case, lack of water is the issue. Miriam has just died, and a midrash, Tanit 9a, links the two events, explaining that because of Miriam's merit, a miraculous traveling well had accompanied the Israelites in their wanderings in the desert and dried up at her death. The Torah specifically used the word quarrel, vayerev, in Numbers 20, verse 3, to characterize the complaint about the water shortage. Yet, unlike previous instances when faced with a rebellion or a disagreement, Moses mishandles this situation and suffers the consequence. God tells him to verbally instruct a rock to produce water. Verbally. Instead, he speaks harshly to the people and strikes the rock. Now notice right there, God's instruction says to use your mouth in a positive way, in faith, by faith, commanding goodness. Not to use our mouths and complain or with our argument or anger, that's the word I'm looking for, do something contrary to what pleases God. The rock produces water anyway, but God tells Moses that because he did not trust God, Moses will not lead his people into the promised land. Biblical commentators have long been troubled by the severity of Moses' punishment. It seems unjust that this man, having borne so many burdens for so long, should be deprived of seeing the fruits of his labors because of what seems to be a minor technical violation. But most commentators take the view that this violation was more than just a technical violation— Moses, being a leader, was expected to uphold the highest of standards. So as another side note, if you are in a position of leadership, you have to watch what you say. You are accountable for every word 
that comes out of your mouth. By not following God's instructions precisely, his failure was more severe than that of an ordinary person and had to be punished more severely. Mahmonides takes a somewhat different view, that Moses' sin was anger, the anger that he showed in his rebuke of the people and his striking of the rock, introduction to commentary on Pirkei Avot, part 4. In light of Mahmonides' explanation, one can further say that Moses' anger validated, it was validated and extended a quarrel. True, he settled the matter at hand, providing water. However, his harshness in producing this result added to the atmosphere of argument and contention. So when you're talking about things that you disagree with, don't provoke people by expressing your words in a tone of anger. The Torah sums up this episode by leaving a sour taste. Water drunk by a thirsty person is sweet, yet this water is called the waters of quarreling. My Meriva, Numbers 20, verse 13. The waters of quarreling. So will you dip into the waters of quarreling over this new national holiday, Juneteenth? Or will your words bring healing to each other and the nation? There is something in the culture of Judaism today and in, in past times that sees quarrelsomeness as a virtue, perhaps as an antidote to passivity and the acceptance of bad conditions. Yet the opposite of strife is not inaction, but harmony. Harmony is not static. It leads to progress. Of all the words in our prayer book, some of the best known and best loved are those that come at the end of the Kaddish. O say shalom bimromav, hu yaseh shalom aleinu, ve'akol Yisrael. In English, that means he who ordains the order of the universe will bring peace to us and to all Israel. We fool ourselves if we think that we can leave it to God to make peace on high and then for us. Saying Osei Shalom should not be a way of confining the responsibility for peacemaking to God alone while we continue our quarrels. It should be an acceptance that the responsibility for creating harmony down here on earth lies with us, each one of us. So I speak about anti-Semitism as something we need to fight against. I spoke about human trafficking, which we need to fight against. I spoke about racism and segregation, which we need to fight against. And in this country, sometimes because of the nature of a human being who doesn't like to change, they start to label themselves to separate themselves in a different way, which happens a lot with religions when you want to make a new religion because you don't agree with what God said, or you don't agree with the interpretation of a human being. So you branch off into your own tribe. Now, sometimes you're justified 
But this, the thing is to be able to live in a United States, a.k.a. Kingdom of God, which is at hand here in this world, we're in the kingdom. And what does the kingdom require of his people? Unity. He needs or she needs a nation. A kingdom needs a united nation. Different kinds of people that may not ascribe to every single belief of the king, but still they honor his word, which is how he governs the nation. And the purpose of the king is to give to the people what they need. A good king. There are other kings or leaders that put everything in their pockets and leave us without. We've had enough of that. We, the people, have to do our part and join with the king, God the king. And if you don't know God's name, we'll call his name in Hebrew Hashem, which is the name. We'll agree on God, one nation under God as it is written. Do you even acknowledge that? One nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Now, this problem of divisiveness in this country and around the world is nothing new. It's always been a problem. And God is searching for his kingdom of people, his children that want to ascribe to his word and live together as one people, echad, even though we're different, different colors, different cultures, different societies, we can still live together in a land called the United States or wherever your country is. And we have to understand that there are different meanings of the word love. God loves his children and he wants us to love one another. And love does not mean eros, ooey gooey, lusty love. It is the definition of love as loyalty. There's more than one kind of love. The kind of love that God is endorsing is loyalty to him and loyalty to each other. We have concern for our neighbor. We love our neighbor as ourselves, which means we have to love ourselves first. We have to have love within in order to give it to somebody else. We not, might not love everything they do, but we're commanded as God's children to love, loyal, be compassionate, be kind, seek ways of justice, help when you can. The book is full of it. Ways to help each other and to love God. If you love God, you will listen to my word. Do you read his word? These are all things that we want to think about as we do our part, not passively expecting God to fix everything, but doing what we can while we're here individually as a people. We each have a kingdom purpose, not to destroy. If you have a beef or you want something changed, let's stop complaining to each other to stir up the pot with strife and anger. Let's find a way to make things better. Now, my next video that I'd like to share with you, as we just spoke about Osei Shalom, which is peace, 
I'd like to share with you a song that was popular when I graduated from high school in 73. We sang, Let There Be Peace on Earth. And over time, people started grumbling about some of the words in the song. Namely, with God as our Father, brothers all are we. You know, uh, well, all of a sudden, years later, when we sang that at Algonquin Regional High School, (laughs) there became an issue of complaints about some of the words in that song, Let There Be Peace on Earth. Somebody's did not like God in that song. So they removed God and changed the lyrics to some generic thing. And then it was, there's a complaint about just brothers. What, what about sisters? Okay. I can, I can understand that. Okay. So just say with God as our father, brothers and sisters are we, you know, (laughs) I mean, Change it for the better instead of just grinding the axe. Let's do something better. Okay, we do have a lot of things we still need to do. I understand there is still not a a lot of equality when it comes to the races, to the genders, to the religions, to the peoples, to the cultures, whatever. So yes, you have something to do. We all have something to do. And this is my way of doing something, at least bringing the message to you, enlightening you and hopefully inspiring you to do something for Juneteenth 2022 and make it a monumental success in the United States as a memorable holiday and not one of griping and complaining and on and on and on and grinding the axe. Okay, so enough of that. All right. One of my favorite soul sisters is Mahalia Jackson. I don't know if you know her, but She is a wow singer, and I'd like to share this video where she's actually singing Let There Be Peace on Earth, and there is a message, a a symbolic message in the context of this video, which addresses what peace looks like. So just take a a look, and I'll join you again after this video. Be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let be peace on earth. magazine writer once said to her, I never believed in God, but when you sing, 
It gives me goosebumps. Those ain't no goosebumps, she said. That's your soul speaking, and you don't even know it's there. that you were able to see that I know on Twitch I think you're just seeing me I was hoping the video would play but you can watch this in the archives on Facebook in my profile Deborah Cohen and uh, I might post it on my musician page in Facebook Deborah D-E-B-R-A D-E-B-R-A Cohen C-O-H-E-N music and notice what Mahalia said when you sometimes hear somebody sing and you get goosebumps and it's just, maybe you just say it's a feel good, but it's actually your soul expressing itself with love or what appreciation. And I have such an appreciation for her heart. She truly did her part by singing for peace as an activist for peace for black rights a powerful woman she used her voice in a positive way and i'm not saying we all have to go out there and sing for peace but why not (laughs) you know if you sing with others it kind of melts away that feeling of separation or unknown and makes us join together in one voice That's the power of music. And uh, so I would like to finish this 
broadcast today by sharing an upcoming song that I will be releasing July 8th, 2022. It's called Osei Shalom. And I spoke about this earlier in the broadcast, so you know and understand the significance of why I am releasing this song. It's in our Jewish liturgical Siddur book, and we sing it several times when we assemble together. And just remember that we don't have to agree with each other 100% on everything, but every person should be treated with respect equally. We need to learn more in the schools to teach the art of debate. I noticed when I was a former high school teacher that students can learn, especially high school, but younger than that. Teachers have a responsibility to teach children how to debate without losing, without the child or teenager, whatever, losing their temper. This requires great inner strength and discipline to be able to say what you need to say without harming somebody with your words, but by expressing your genuine concern. This is something that requires practice, instruction, and wisdom, and something that desperately needed needs to be taught in a deeper way in every school in the United States. Where students disagree with one another, they need to learn how to express their differences in healthy ways. And um, I'm not sure how, if you are not a teacher, how you could help with that. But parents, ask your children, are you learning how to debate in class? Usually they're taught in a history class or maybe in English when they're learning how to use their language with eloquence and to the point without expressing hostility. This really needs to be done more in this country. We need to learn how to get along with each other. And of course, it is Father's Day. A lot of children, including myself, come from broken homes. So a lot of kids in this country, at least, they don't have parents, especially immigrants, where the parents have to work to put food on the table. So the kids bring themselves up. And because they still have a need for family, as we all do, they become involved in gangs. Not always, but that's why they join. They Everybody wants to feel like they belong or are needed by somebody. So gangs serve that purpose to those children that are unloved or feeling alone. So I encourage you to reach out to each other. If you know somebody that's alone, maybe to just give them a call or a text and uh, say something nice. And when somebody starts unloading on you with their issues, negative issues, if you, you don't welcome it, and again, if you want to belong, friends, you know, you want friends, so you start listening to their negativity, complaining, find a nice way to turn it around. That also is an art to be able to tell somebody, you know, I, I used to say when I was younger and 
had less tact is I'd say, you know, you see my ears here. They're not, they're not trash cans. Okay. So please don't unload on me. And, but some, you know, and the people that don't know any better, they just spew just junk, you know, drama, drama, negative stuff. That's what counselors are for. So if you have a lot of drama, don't, don't take advantage of your friends and create more strife by talking negatively about somebody else. That doesn't make matters any better. You need to find ways to, to grow toward the light. We all want to be candles toward the light to join in one big light of love, light. All right. So (laughs) with a little humor, I'll share my song that's coming out July 8th. Oh, say shalom. Oh, say shalom in your mouth. Oh, yeah, I say shalom aleinu. Ve'al kol Yisrael. 